Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Jeremy. We have our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman here. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, the Super Bowl was yesterday. We're recording this on the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. Lots went on. We had a halftime performance by the weekend. On the weekend, uh, there's always a, 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 an abundance of commercials, big time commercials with big budgets uh, that, that air in the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about all that. All things Super Bowl, including, I guess, the game. Did anybody, was anybody into the game itself? Yeah, I was super into the game. I love Tom Brady. I was rooting for the uh, the Bucks. I was rooting for Tom Brady, really, more than anything. So, uh, I mean, I like Patrick Mahone, Mahome, and I Kansas City, fine city, whatever. But, you know, I was I was rooting for uh, Tampa. But, but we can get to that whenever we want. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not now? Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> what are you trying to avoid, Max? I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, well, I didn't want to. I, you know, I, I didn't want to shoehorn anything in before you wanted to say hello to Shane. Maybe Shane, how are you? How's Hi, you yeah. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but really? I did watch all the ads. Yeah, I didn't watch the game. I, I had to do some editing work, but I had it on in the background, and then I would I would pop out periodically just to see if uh, Tom Brady was winning because I think it's very cool that at his age he could win another Super Bowl. Do you think he's getting hotter than he's ever been? Yeah. And I think because he's so concerned about being a machine now, because at, at an advanced age, you have to be more concerned about your health, that he's just so looking the the part of this uh, football player. Whereas when I, I watched a documentary on him this morning and at the beginning of his career, he didn't look like a football player. What do you look like? Just a schlub. Huh. <laughs> Not a schlub. Well, he did, wasn't he like third round draft? Like he wasn't highly drafted. He was like, the last pick in the sixth round. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it's the it's it's the uh, it's the it's the most incredible story ever. Like in terms of a draft pick turning into be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. The the thing about the quarterback position, which I think is unique compared to a lot of other sports, is that so much of it is sort of like your game planning and your sort of like ability to process a lot of information really quickly and then describe that to all your teammates. Because I think uh, when, you know, the NFL combine uh, is a series of like athletic tests, basically that monitor you like how high you can jump, how fast you can run, how he far you can perform the worst, ever, the worst. So he was like said, 568 yeah. out of 568. Mm-hmm. But it kind of much reminds me of like, if you're ever, I don't know, playing pickup basketball or something. And there's just a guy who just knows where to be on the court and it's just like ruining everybody. And you're like, how is this old? dude killing us yeah, right old now. man game they, they play with their minds it's like uh nikolai the joker oh what? yeah oh Jokovic. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In basketball yeah Jokic. Yeah. um also i think um i don't play squash at all but i think squash there's a lot of strategy there too where basically you don't have to be that athletic to be good at squash if you can just kind of plant yourself in established position in the middle of the court you can ruin guys that are a lot more athletic than you anyway i just think that that is really cool about patrick uh about tom brady is that there's all these guys all these nfl quarterbacks that have come and gone that are way more athletic than him that could throw the ball way further can rush way farther and they flame out in like three years um and because once you get to the pros you're playing against the best of the best and those tricks might have worked in college for these quarterbacks but not not in the pros and and brady's figured it out over and over again well his secret according to this documentary was that he loves the moment so he does not crack under pressure whereas a lot of other quarterbacks can't take it the way he can I think another sort of like part of his story is, you know, he found um, like he became almost like religious about his nutrition, which you hear about these guys, you know, you hear like LeBron spends a million dollars a year of his own money on his body and his upkeep. And that's how these guys complain to their late thirties and forties. If you're, if you're Brady, uh, I think that also is why he looks great. You used to always hear these stories about Jared Leto. I think Shane, you were telling me that Jared Leto said he never ate anything that tastes good. And that's like why his skin is always amazing, why he's like super fit. And I'm just always like, you know, I'm going to get to an age where like I really crack down on my nutrition and then my skin will be glowing. And I I literally have been saying that for five years and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I I can hold out hope. But yeah, that's kind of a big part of the the story. It's do you guys also feel like to live like that? It's a lot easier if you're a multimillionaire that really just has time to put in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But undeniable. I will say, though, that, I mean, we'll get into the commercials in a second. There's a bunch of really rich people that have everything at their disposal that kind of look like shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's actually kind of like the fun thing about these ads. It's like, okay, how are people aging, right? Yeah. Um, but were you, it's funny when people hate Tom Brady to me. It's like, why would you hate, like, what is there to not like about Tom Brady other than, I guess, the fact that he has everything? Is this a jealousy thing? Is that why people don't like Tom Brady? I hated the Patriots. I didn't hate mm. Tom. 
I didn't like okay. the Patriots for a long time. Just and I think any you know they say like die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. I think anybody that's as successful as a Brady or a LeBron is just going to naturally have a certain amount of people that are contrarians that are just like fuck that guy. Uh, although Jordan doesn't seem to have a and lot. You want to root for the underdog too. Yeah, yeah. totally. But he's totally. kind of the underdog. That's what I'm saying. He's at that perfect thing now. Now he's the underdog. He lived long enough to become the hero again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's flipped back. He like true. he was the hero, then he became the villain, and then he lived long enough to become an old hero again. I was go- I was rooting for him. I wanted that story. Uh, I guess the Trump thing uh, for for liberals is annoying uh, because he's sort of piled up with Trump at various times, and then he sort of distanced himself. I think he like didn't go to the White House one year that they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But like he's always no. I don't think his wife the- would let him. That was the whole story. Is oh, is that it? Like, yeah, they Giselle were golf did- buddies. I think mm-hmm. that's where it kind of ended. Do you yeah. all think he looks better now than he ever has? Yeah, I think he it looks, looks amazing. great. Hair, hair implants. Do you think he has hair implants? He's, he's always had weird hair. He has always had weird hair, uh, yeah. and it's looking better with age. So that you know, you might be onto something there, Max. Yeah. I think it, he almost to me looks. Because he's like on these crazy like uh, sort of nutrition kick, he looks a lot more svelte. But maybe that's just age yeah. or the way that like your body you know uh, responds. Well, there's that one photo of him I think taken like in his like third year press photo that that like he looks like Shrek almost. Like his jaws look really big. It's like maybe just a weird angle or something, or maybe he was like you know ten pounds heavier or something. But he just like looks like he has kind of a different face. It's interesting to see you know, people's faces morph all over the years, especially Brady, because you have like the same shot every year taken around the same time. So that's kind of fun to look at. But yeah, I think he's hot as hot as fuck. Do you guys think like, so say you're a Patriots fan and, uh, and Brady won all, you know, these six championships with you. And it's like, he's yours. He's of, you know, Boston and, and sort of like part of that lore, like Larry Bird and all these, you know, Ray Bork and Bobby Orr and all these sort of like Boston legends. Uh, and then it's like they have this money dispute where he's like in his 40s and he's like, yeah, you know, like kind of, you guys remember Kobe uh, was coming up on a contract and he was old and they gave him like a $40 million deal, like two years at 20 million or something. People were like, you're paying old Kobe Bryant that when you're not going anywhere, like you're not going to get a championship at this point. And, and the Lakers are kind of like, we paid him for the legacy. Like we paid him for the championships he did deliver and they did right by Kobe and the fans have always sort of loved it. When it came to Brady, I think he was kind of looking for that deal, but also he was like, I'm not done. He's like, I put more work in than some of the younger guys. Like just pay me what I'm worth. And it would seem that the Patriots were like, eh, I think we're going to go in a different direction. So, you know, you do you and we'll do us. And then Brady goes out and he wins the fucking Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is incredible. How do you think Patriot fans feel today? Do you think they were rooting against Brady for the first time in their lives? I think I think they're rooting for Brady. Honestly, I think they they probably saw how this season went because and what I loved about this outcome happening was that you know the the big question. And by the way, for any of our listeners who don't give one fuck, fuck about the NFL, uh, we promise to try to make this like relatable to you. And I think what is awesome about this story is basically the franchise was given a decision: do we want to stick with this guy, or do we want to stick with our coach, Bill Belichick, who is you know one of the most successful coaches of all time, and trust his instincts? And Belichick, who famously is sort of like the least sort of like player compassionate coach in the league he's he'll just cut anybody he'll trade anybody he does not have any personal real relationships with anybody he's willing to part with his quarterback because he just simply doesn't think he's good enough he has no sentimental sort of attachment to this guy who who brought him six super bowls so then we're in the situation all year long where it's like okay was it the system was it the coach bill belichick or was it the quarterback and normally you know when there's a face-off like that you're not getting you're probably the chances of getting a real outcome that is definitive is unlikely because a definitive outcome would be either the Patriots win the Super Bowl without Brady or Brady wins the Super Bowl without Belichick and the Pats. And 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 the chances of either of those two things happening are actually quite small, right? The, 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 those are two teams in a league of 32. So the fact that the Pats sort of flamed out and had a bad season, a definitively bad season, it wasn't like they had some bad luck that didn't let them get to the Super Bowl. And then Brady wins the Super Bowl is the most definitive answer to that question that we that anybody could have hoped for and i think that's fucking amazing and i think a lot of pats fans can only go uh you know what like fuck belichick like you know we put our trust in the head coach and he made the wrong decision and we can only have respect for brady you have to be a lunatic if you're a pats fan to be like fuck tom brady you know what i mean like he he didn't want to go anywhere he just wanted to be paid appropriately and he proved his worth this whole season long 
But don't you think it diminishes the six championships just a little bit? Like it's not unique to you anymore. You know, I heard mm. on on another podcast, it's like he, it's like it's like having a divorce and then watching him be like wildly happy with his new wife. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. And it's like, yes, you have the family, you have the kids together, but now they have a kid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's kind of like. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Like, I was trying to think if I was a, pa- a Patriots fan, how would I feel watching Brady do this? Would I be rooting for him to sort of like, like happy he made it, but I don't really want him to win a ring because that's what he did with us, you know? Or would I be like, no, you know what? He deserves it. He's the greatest. So I was just, I was interested to know what <clears throat> a Patriot fan might think about that situation. I just didn't know what they're rooting for, but I guess I lean what you're saying, Max, is they probably wanted to see him succeed and then they can kind of bitch about the franchise and Belichick. What do you think, well, Shaney? What would you want? As a fan. Well, I think if, let's say, Kyle Lowry switched teams and started playing for the Rockets, if the Raptors were no longer in it, you'd want the piece of the Raptors, the closest thing to the Raptors, to win the championship, which would be Lowry in this situation. Raptors are out of the playoffs. It's like, oh, he's still kind of a Raptor, even though he's on another team. Let's go Rockets, I would say. 100% I would want that for Lowry. But I think the thing about Brady and the Patriots is they're like, they're dealing with history, with with GOAT status, with like, they think that, you know, they want to be considered the greatest franchise of all time. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like legacy stuff. Like we're talking Jordan LeBron type level where it's like, I think it messes with their narrative. They're perfectly tie a bow on it. It's kind of like Jordan with the Wizards, if the Wizards won, won it all. It kind of, it changes the, the Bulls narrative just slightly. Uh, Anyway, I just I find it fascinating, and uh, but yeah, I could see them being excited for for Brady. And with the with the Kobe thing, when they gave him the forty million, don't you think from a business side, whether they were winning or losing, that still makes sense because he draws so many more people to that arena, and totally. ultimately that's what it is. It's a business, right? Yeah. So why? Like, I can't believe they didn't pay Brady. Like, like, like Max says, it, it, they were more like at, worshiping at the sort of the altar of Bill Belichick, who clearly didn't want to pay Brady, but just for the jersey sales alone and to tie the legacy up nicely. Like, I cannot believe that they let him walk. That's insane. Yeah, I know they have to employ a lot more players on an NFL team, but it just, like, I, I, you know, it's just ludicrous the way the contracts work in the NFL and how disposable everybody is. It's so much based around the team, I, I guess, more than the individual player. Um, because, you know, a lot of the contracts aren't even guaranteed. Players can be cut and not paid all the time. And so, like, the, yeah, the fact that, like, in the NBA, there's a certain respect being shown to one of the all-time greats for a franchise like Kobe Bryant, but it doesn't get extended in football. Like, you see that all the time. Like, you know, Brett Favre, wasn't there a similar thing with him in Green Bay? They, you know, at the end, Peyton Manning, you know, went to Denver. It's like, because basically the, the team's like, I, I don't want to do it. So it's just, a, I guess it's just a different mindset in football compared to a sport like basketball. But uh, yeah, the uh, Brady, he because he's so disciplined all the time. But I like seeing him when he f- shows a little bit of personality uh, and has a bit of a sense of humor. Did you see this thing that he did at the end of the the regular season with Antonio? Uh, fuck, what's Antonio? Brown. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. So basically, so basically, Antonio Brown, who's been a real issue for a lot of teams, there's a lot of sort of like behavioral stuff going on with him. Um, he signed with Tampa Bay because Brady, I think, wanted him because he's an excellent receiver. And going into the last game, if he, I think, had like 15 catches on the season, he had basically had to do a number. He was he was due for a $250,000 bonus. Did you see this? No. So basically, at the end of the game, like meaningless, it was a meaningless part of the game. The game had already been decided. Uh, there's like a minute and a half left. Brady gives him three shovel passes that didn't amount to really any yards, but got him the three extra receiving, like rece- uh, receiving catches, wow. and he he got his bonus. And I was I was like, all right, I like Brady for that kind of little fuck you to management. Get the man paid. It's awesome. Um. Yeah, I uh, did. You guys see that clip of Brady after he beat um, who? Did, who did he play? Who did they play to get to the to the, the Super Bowl? It was another big famous quarterback. Oh, uh, um, Aaron Rodgers. No. Oh, sorry. You're right. Okay, the game before that, another famous quarterback. Oh, Drew Brees. Drew Thank Brees. you. Yeah. Somebody got a footage of uh, Drew Brees. Is so the the game has been decided. Brady and the, the the Buccaneers win, but it's like long after the game is over, and somebody just has like film almost from like the stands, and it's. It's uh, it's uh, Drew Brees and his wife and his two little kids. And the kids are kind of running around on the field and they got a football and they're messing around. And then Brady comes like walking out like the old veteran. He's got like his gym bag and he comes out and he gives um, 
drew Brees a hug and kind of like these old these old school vets and this might be i think Brees's last year they're both kind of yeah i think same. it was his last game probably last game mm-hmm. and they're just sitting there and they're, they're talking you can't hear what they're saying and then tom starts playing catch with Brees's kid like he's like he's going for to receive the ball and so he's kind of having a catch and he's he's having a chat with uh Brees, and then they kind of finally have a final embrace and then like tom brady just like picks up his gym bag and like walks back toward the tunnel and like waves and it was kind of like this really amazing like nice personal moment of like these two great quarterbacks kind of having this this farewell and it kind of just humanized them they just looked like two dads at the park where one's playing catch with the other guy's kid and uh it was it was a cool moment and i'm not even a big nfl fan i don't even care about the nfl but you know you follow the sort of more interesting uh stuff and brady's obviously he exceeds football fame did you see the clip of them celebrating in the change room after they'd won the super bowl and then uh, everyone's obviously jumping up and down and Tom Brady is just packing his shit in his locker. <laughs> and they're like, look, look at Tom. This guy's a legend. He doesn't even give a shit. And the, the, it zooms in on <laughs> him and he's just it. casually packing his locker. It was pretty you funny. Know what's, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking about how, like, I hate carrying anything. And whenever I see a, a person much more famous than me carrying anything, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you carrying anything? It's like Sean Mendez in his documentary. Did you watch the Sean Mendez documentary? He's carrying his guitar with him everywhere he goes. I don't know if we talked about this, but it like into cool, his though. condo. It, but it's, it might look cool for a few seconds, but carry an acoustic guitar case more than half a city block. And you're like, oh, God damn, I wish I didn't have to carry this. It's Ian, you it's must like, get spotted way more. If, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like Jordan carrying a basketball around everywhere. It's like, hey, that's what you do. <laughs> but it's like Brady having to pack his own shit. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? Like, he's got to have a guy for that. Just be like, put on the change of things. Like, that, that's got to be in the budget. That's all I'm saying. If I'm Tom He Brady. must love it. He's a yeah. process or guy. Or he's got weird stuff and he's embarrassed and he doesn't want <laughs> anyone else to know. <laughs> he always brings five Playboys to every game. That he- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my routine. What's your secret, Tom? That's for me to know. A clear mind. <laughs> a clear mind. <laughs> That's good. Um, um, yeah. So, okay, should we talk about the commercials or should we talk well, let's about... Well, let's do the halftime show first. The halftime show. Okay, let's talk about the halftime show. Did you watch the halftime show, Shane? Pop culture aficionado? I did. I wa- I, I knew we were going to talk about it, so I, I, I okay, walked out. I missed the first bit, but I, I rewound it and watched it again. Nice. Okay. Hit us, Shaney. What were your thoughts? Well, let's set it up. We got the weekend. Yeah, the weekend. Obviously, you know, we're performing uh, in the times of COVID, so... The grandiose nature maybe couldn't be as much where they'll usually have extras or they, they mess with the crowd. It, you know, they'll put color sequences. You know, you've seen Coldplay do crazy stuff. You've seen like all of these sort of grandiose performances. So the weekend would be a little bit limited, but he still went out and did the damn thing. But uh, yeah, so with all that in mind, uh, what would you guys think? I find the weekend a little bit awkward. I don't know what it is. There's something right. about him that isn't cool, which for me is kind of cool because I, I he almost reminds me of how I would be out there like feeling a little bit like I don't know what to do with my hands how do I dance if I'm not a, a natural dancer so he has like two Michael Jackson-esque moves yeah that he would do and he would just yeah. lean on those it felt like the- he just like he learned that one move he's like I'm good like he went to one dancing class and <laughs> like I, I know the feeling and then you're like eh, that'll probably get me through <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like he did another thing I would do which is just throw a lot of money at the problem to make it go away like <laughs> oh the Super Bowl it's 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 gonna be so huge oh my goodness the the camera's just gonna be on me I will pay money out of my own pocket, which he did. He paid millions out of his own. He, he took no money for this, paid all this money for all those extras. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if I was blown away by it. Maybe it's just because I'm not a spectacle person. So when I see something on TV, I just kind of sit there bored still because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like musicals. I don't care about fireworks. I don't. All, all the dancing didn't really impress me. I found when he went into that weird house of mirrors and the, yeah. the camera was distorted, the fisheye lens. It looked a little uh, unintentionally funny. And it, <laughs> it seemed very uncool, that part. That's the thing that went viral today, where everybody's like posting memes, like when I get my camera roll back after my toddler plays with it, or, you know, like it's all. There's uh, another good, uh, very local reference, me uh, in the path trying to take the path when it's cold. So in, in Toronto, there's like the underground. Uh, yeah, uh, there's been a, yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing that that basically, you know, that's what you pay the six million if you're him for is well, one you of know, those it's, things. It's a good, um, I was thinking about just like the way the internet 
makes you think about your performances and like basically like what are going to be the memeable moments that are going to be shared the most. And I wonder like if he knew, okay, the thing that will probably be shared is this thing. Uh, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, who's one of my favorite singer-songwriters, she just played on SNL. And she's an amazing singer-songwriter. I know exactly what you're going to talk about because I didn't watch SNL till the next day, and, mm-hmm. but my Twitter timeline was literally just the moment I think you're going to talk about. Yeah, so, so Phoebe Bridgers is a pretty sort of solemn singer-songwriter. And her performances, it was funny, I was texting my friend uh, Tim from Buffalo, and he was like, can we talk about how Phoebe Bridgers had like the best SNL performance in years? Tim listens to the pod, so shout out to Tim. I was like, well, like I, I, I personally loved it, but it was also like the most likely performance you'd see at South by Southwest on SNL in years. Like you just haven't seen like a, just a really straight up indie rock band that you'd see at the Horseshoe playing on that stage. You know what I mean? Because everything mm-hmm. in culture has gone either more urban or electronic or there's dancing involved. It's just, it was kind of just like her and her band. But anyway, for her second performance, she did the thing where she smashed her guitar. This is what, is that what you were going to say? Absolutely. Mike? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that ultimately got so much attention on the performance. Cause if she hadn't done that, I don't think it would have been talked about on, on the internet, like much at all, but because there's that gif of her hitting the guitar over and over and over again on her monitor, people talked about it. So um, I wonder if the weekend knew that the mirror thing was going to be the thing that people would make jokes about. Because you almost want to have something that people are making fun of or making fun with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it seems to be like one Absolutely. of the one of the big right. goals. So the it's decision. like that Nathan Fielder episode where he's purposely trying to get people to do graffiti. Like, it's like that but meme version. Yeah, it's kind of like a Nathan Fielder world. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like you intentionally do... you know that episode? Do... I can't forget. I, I, I've seen it, but I forget. Remind me. Oh, so he'd be like holding his hands out like this with his mouth open and then knowing people would draw <laughs> oh, yes, dicks yes, yes, yes. coming in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a billboard and his, yeah. Yeah. And he's holding his hands out and people are putting dicks in his hands and his mouth is open. Yeah. yeah. And then he would be like trying to catch them being bad on camera and yeah. then like reform them. Well, there's a real art to like, to provoking engagement by doing something that might or might not be intentionally bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, like, the Phoebe Bridgers thing was interesting because I think a lot of people, like, she didn't really smash the guitar with a lot. It looked like she was having trouble breaking the guitar. It all kind of looked like it's a Dan Electric guitar, which is a kind of like a big, like, heavy piece of, like, Mm -hmm. it's not like an acoustic guitar that's going to break really quickly. It's, it's like, really densely made. And she was kind of going in slow motion. And so it didn't really have, like, the force that, like, you know, when people have smashed their guitars, like, when Nirvana did it on SNL, there was, like, this primal sort of, like, thing to it. She's a little, and it's, like, a really heavy guitar. (laughs) And I don't know if I – I feel like there was sparks coming out of the monitor, which means that they'd had it, like, prepped for that, which which kind of, like – whether it was performing, whether like guitar smashing in the past is part of the show or not, it always felt like the spontaneous act of like uh, rage or whatever you're trying to get out of yourself. And whereas, it felt like, like somebody was going to be upset afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, like hey, when, we didn't agree to that, or like, and it's like, <laughs> oh, we're bad boys though. <laughs> and then when Phoebe did it, and this was kind of one, this was some of the discourse I saw on on Twitter was it's like people for some reason had a problem with their smashing the guitar. Like, I don't know if it's like old school music bros that are like, oh, this was like lame or whatever. But then people started defending her, like, like you know what I mean? Her smack. Like, if you have a problem with her smashing guitar, you have bigger problems and all that, all that, blah 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 blah. And then it did get me thinking though about like. Could you talk about sort of the performative nature of smashing guitar or are you a hater for even talking about how it looked awkward? Did you well, not think it looked awkward? It, it did look a little bit awkward. And then it was actually another revealing moment is Jason Isabel, who's a singer songwriter, sort of, you know, from her world a little bit. I don't know if their paths have crossed before. He just tweeted, it was an $85 guitar, guys, like chill out. So uh, kind of making a joke about that. And then she responded to his tweet saying, I told the Dan Electro people that I was going to do it. And they gave me a thumbs up and they they encouraged it. And that, and so she even talked about it in this sort of like kind of ironic way where it wasn't like in the Kurt Cobain. It was thing, a sponsored you, you, break in a way. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're yeah. The ultimate it's like, it's like act a, of rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> I got paid to do that and go viral. Brought to you by. Yeah. Brought to you by Dan Electro. But um, anyway, back, back to the weekend. I thought... Um, the, the Super Bowl is always a really interesting performance because it is the widest possible audience. You know, if you're watching the Country Music Awards, you know 
to who the fans are. If, if you're watching the VMAs, you generally have a sense of the demographic that are tuning in. But the but the, the Super Bowl is a funny one because it is so wide and every person of every age and background is watching the show. And that's why I thought The weekend was an interesting choice because like, you know, Beyonce kind of, ma- you know, makes sense or Justin Timberlake makes sense or like Na- or U2 or Springsteen, like all these acts that are sort of like really a part of the American like history of like popular music and culture like you know they it all but like the weekend they he seems to be sort of newer and also even though though he's a big pop star seems to live in a much smaller demographic I think and also we don't really know him as a public person his whole persona is that he's a very mysterious person so everybody else you you know you kind of get a sense of like oh I know who Chris Martin is or you know, like I, I know these people. The weekend, I think some people are probably familiar with the songs. But they probably didn't know him that well as a personality. So I, so I was, I was interested to see, you know, what the reaction was. And I, I was talking to your brother Greg about it, and Greg loved it. Greg thought it was like very cool and less of a spectacle and more of like an arty performance. And that appealed to somebody like Greg, who's got good taste. But I, but I wonder, did you guys see any like feedback about like what I don't know, middle America thought of it? I know that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty wide audience in itself because obviously there's a lot of young people in middle America that would like The weekend. But I just like, I find that part to be interesting to see like, how do you connect with as many people as possible? It reminded me of the Bruno Mars halftime show, but Bruno's just more of a natural like entertainer. He's a dancer. He's a multi-instrumentalist. So he there was more stuff he could do, but he, it reminded me of of Bruno in the sense that it's like, I was like, did the weekend have enough have enough songs to do a medley here? Like it's like, does he have enough big songs? You know? And when Bruno did his, as he's going through them, you go, ah, 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 ah. Bruno does have enough songs to do like a six song medley. And I, and to my surprise, I felt like the weekend did. He's got like the massive one, right? The I can't feel my face. That's the thing that made him from sort of like a popular artist into an international, you know, phenomenon. Like that song, you could go anywhere in the world, Brazil, Paris, whatever, and you'd get in an Uber and that song would be playing. That's sort of the the level that he was at. But then the other ones, you know, he's had like two consequently after that that are like big hits. I thought he was fine on the medleys, like I was, or on the medley. Like I was like, these are big enough songs that, to your question, Max, reach middle America. Those songs are played in Ubers in Kentucky or Kansas or wherever, right? Um, but to Shane's point about the, the the kind of awkwardness is it's like he's he's not Bruno Mars. So he's just kind of up there singing his hits awkwardly. And to Greg's point, I didn't really like, I thought the art direction, like the stage and stuff, I thought it was lacking the grandiose. And I just felt like I was watching like Chicago, like the play or something, like all that jazz. Like, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like a, it felt like a flat or like a three deep set. And I was just kind of like, eh, I'm like, I feel like he's suffering a bit because if you're someone like him, that isn't a super like dynamic performer, you almost need the spectacle to help you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once, once he got onto the field, I thought it got better because at the very end of the performance, he was surrounded by like all the Jabberwockies came out. Yeah. Oh, this is another thought I had. Do you think whatever that was, like this sort of like dystopian, like this like post-apocalyptic future, whatever those, do you think that was a case of the creative being shaped by the fact that they all had to wear masks? Like it's like, well, they have to wear masks. So let's just write this weird kind of like post-apocalyptic thing where they're in Weren't they wearing bandages on their face? Yeah, but you almost had, it was almost like you had to create something to incorporate the mask. Or something like I wondered if it was if it was like reverse engineered because they just had to wear masks no matter what. I wanted it to be weirder though. Yeah, well, like, I, like I, I saw a press that. conference where um, the, I think it was Tyrone uh, from eTalk. He was like, "Oh, do you have any m- secret message that you're going to be given to the audience?" He's like, "Well, I don't like saying what the message is, but I'm sure a lot of people will find meaning in what I'm what I'm about to do out there." So I thought it was going to be very weird in artsy and then i saw it and it just felt like jabberwockies with the the mummy mask on <laughs> you know <laughs> that was on the division board like in his bedroom as he's been preparing yeah. jabberwockies <laughs> mummy mask that's all <laughs> well i thought that um yeah i i thought you're right like it, it was one dimensional like the, the the backdrop and and you know if you go to a big concert these days you can see some pretty like elaborate stuff so again like he didn't need to like learn how to fully dance but he could have you know, probably used the space a little bit more to have like more action going around him like the people behind him were doing a lot of like arm movements and pretending to play the violin at points and stuff like that like i thought that was good but i, I could have used a little bit more around him like within six feet of him in some cases uh, but you're totally right like 
it feels like pop star. What also makes the weekend interesting or unique is that for people in his lane of like pop music star, they're usually good dancers. Like think about JT, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, Bruno Mars. Like those guys don't necessarily. I mean, Bruno Mars plays instruments. He can kind of do everything. But like what makes those guys like, you know, the next Michael Jackson is that they can dance. The Weeknd can't dance. If you go to the band category, at least they're rocking out on a piano or, or a guitar. The Weeknd kind of doesn't do anything <laughs> other than just have like an amazing voice. Um, yeah. So I thought I thought it was good. I, I, I was captivated by the whole thing. And and I was excited as, as a Canadian because obviously he's such a success story. But uh, I don't know. I... Uh, I thought he Do you think he regrets putting all of his own money into it? <laughs> it's like anything. After it's done, you, he's probably sitting there a little sweaty after the performance and he's like, shit, six million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and the account didn't feel the way I thought it would. All yeah. right. Just waiting for that eight million e transfer. <laughs> it didn't feel they the come way to I collect immediately. Uh yeah. But anyway, shout out to the weekend. Yeah, big big weekend in uh, for Canadians uh on <laughs> I didn't mean to say that on on TV because Dan Levy obviously hosted SNL too. So that was he pretty did. pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this shows you how popular like Dan Levy has come as like a Canadian success story. Is uh, I haven't even watched the last couple of SNLs. They've just been sitting on my PVR. But Danica on Sunday was like, "Hey, do you do you want, do you want to watch SNL?" And she, we haven't done that together in like a while, not this season at all. And she was interested because Dan Levy was sort of all over everything, and it was like you said, a Canadian success story. Um, did you watch the episode? How Shane? was it? No, pretty good. Yeah, Dan was good. Dan was good. Uh, he made it. Yeah, I, I like that he made a, a reference to. Um, to people finally hearing about Shit's Creek, I find his career arc to be like awesomely inspiring, you know, because it's like yeah. obviously up here in Canada, it's been a big deal, but only in the last year and a half, like it, all of America has, has found out about it. So I thought that was pretty cool. His, his style of comedy is he's obviously like a funny guy and a great writer and everything. Um, so it was, it was cool to see him like taking on like different characters as, as you do on, on SNL. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I thought uh, it was. It's. I think it's, just, it's really hard to put on a show during COVID because it's like you know, like half the skits kind of incorporate COVID somehow. And it, how many times can you make that joke? And also, I found that the crowd was kind of like subdued. Like I don't know if it's because they're all wearing masks, but there were some skits where I was like cackling, like I was laughing out loud at some points, and the crowd was giving them nothing, which then makes it seem like the skits not good enough or it's not succeeding. But I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this sketch is good, and if they had like a, a crowd with a pulse it would be slaying. Like I was, I found it very sort of, it's, it's a, it's a weird environment to make comedy. And I, I found, and I haven't watched it this season yet. So that was my first time. Uh, did you see the, um, <laughs> the on weekend update, you, you know, those YouTube brothers that, that listen, yeah. they're twins that listen to music, music for the first time. Have you seen, you know, those guys, Shane? Have yeah. I saw them? the in the air tonight one went viral, right? Where they hear the Phil Collins yeah. song for the first time. So basically time. So these two guys, I think they're from, I want to say they're from Atlanta. They're two brothers. They're probably like 19 or whatever. And basically, they sit in front of their like computer screen and they listen to a song that's like a classic song in the air by Phil Collins, and they go, but they're listening to it for the first time. So, so and and they they're usually really enthusiastic about this, and it could be from any genre. Um, and they've gotten so famous to the point where Barack Obama, in promoting his book, uh, put out a playlist of songs, and he wanted that that were political in nature. So, because obviously his book's about politics. And he did an interview with the brothers talking about like his playlist and he got them to listen to these songs. Anyway, it's a very like my mom sends it to me. My mom's like, these guys are the greatest. <laughs> anyway, SNL uh, on Weekend Update, they had the like the brothers like who Keenan and who's the other guy? Chris Red, former pod dad. Chris Red, yeah. So they're acting as the brothers, but basically they're playing the most like famous songs of all time. Like what were they like? Um, oh, they, <laughs> they did the, the theme song to Friends. And they're like, oh, this hits. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like uh, Baby Shark, uh, the Meow Mix theme song, like just the most like generic. Songs. Yeah, and they but but the, and then so they're basically like, wait a second, you don't know these songs? Like that was just sort of the premise of it. Uh, Shane's not laughing. Shane, you have to watch it and get more context, but it's good. It was, it, no, that was sorry, the best. A weird pop up just popped up my screen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, check out that that episode. Good, good episode. Dan Dan Love You's sick. Phoebe Bridgers also very good. Canadians, um, Canadians. Canadians. Uh, my last question before we go to the commercials, Max, when you watch the Super Bowl performance, do you start thinking, what would I do in that situation? How would I build out mine? Ooh, yeah. I mean, we, I don't know if I was really 
that deep into it last night thinking about Arkells doing it. But it does make me think about times we've like performed on the Junos or the Much Music Video Awards where we think about like something basically needs to change every, I don't know, 15 to 25 seconds. Like you, the thing needs to keep building and progressing because if you're, if you're a band and you're just, you know, standing there with your guitar, I think it gets pretty boring pretty quickly. So I, yeah, I, I mean, oh God, I don't have a good answer for you right now, but I definitely like that. The art of making like a live uh, television performance is much different than a concert. Much, 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 much different. Yeah. And so, uh, would you yeah. Know I, what we, four we, songs or five songs you would pick? Ooh, that's a good, good question. I mean, uh, leather jacket knocking at the door. Um, uh, what else would we do? Relentless, uh, hand me downs. I don't know. What would you say? Pub yeah. crawl could be Pub epic. Crawl. You could get yeah, a yeah, choir yeah. out there Pub and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to do something like that one of these days. But, um, let's talk about the commercials. Let's do it. So, uh, as we know, commercials are almost a, a big a deal uh, to the Super Bowl as the actual game is. Uh, and there was no shortage of commercials this year. Um, but yeah, the reason that these commercials are so sort of like epic is because one, it costs so much money to have it in the game. Two, it's probably going to be the most your your spot is going to be seen uh, ever. Uh, so it's like a prime showcase spot. And it also means if you got a huge budget, it's like now's the time to throw it at it. So that's how you see all these stars come out of the woodwork. You know, they reunited Wayne and Garth, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey for Uber Eats. Um, we see like big time athletes sort of end up in spots. Uh, we see musicians. We see all sorts of stuff. Did anything stand out to you guys? Is there a spot in particular? Because we could go through a bunch of them. I know we watched all the spots today. Yeah, the, we're using Vulture.com and their roundup of all the 2021 uh, Super Bowl commercials as a reference point. So if you're listening at home and you want to follow along with what the fuck we're talking about, I think go to that right now. But yeah, let, let, I, I kind of we could kind of maybe briefly touch on the ones starting from the top. Like you know, I, I got it pulled up right here, like the Wayne's World uh, Uber Eats one. Do, do want should we do that? Is let's that do Wayne's World first. Yeah, yeah let's let's just do the list. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, here's a question. I was actually. I, I've been seeing this spot now. It came like they started teasing it like a week ago. And by the way, I want to say before you get to that, Mike, you and Shane are admin essentially. So this is sort of your <laughs> expertise. This is so the, I love talking to you guys about this because you guys think about this kind of shit all day long. Carry on. Yeah, like the, the Monday after Super Bowl is usually an awesome day in the office because this is what we're doing. We're just sitting around talking about what worked, what didn't work, um, what was particularly clever. But for this Wayne and Garth spot for Uber Eats, I keep, every time I watch it, I have one of two thoughts. I either think like about my own mortality because I'm like, shit, I'm like, they're getting old. And I'm like, man, they look kind of rough. And then I'll see it the next day and I go, you know what? They look pretty good. And I yeah. can't decide if they look good or they look bad. And so I wanted to ask <laughs> you, Shane, because I know you think about these things too. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think Garth makes me f worry about my own mortality less than Wayne. So you think oh, Mike Myers looks pretty good? Uh, no, no, no. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to word this as nice as possible. I'm saying the opposite of what you think, Mike, because yeah, Wayne looks worse. Wayne looks worse than Garth. Then why does Garth point. make you think about your own mortality more then? I said Garth makes me worry about it less. Oh, less. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that was such a weird way of saying it. Sorry. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't want to be mean in case you know they're they're listening. But uh, yeah, it is it is hard, and they they are old because they're older, you know. And that is something that can be a little bit scary for me to see when in my mind they're just these guys perpetually in their early thirties or whatever it is. So to see them in their sixties dressed up like this is a little jarring to me. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like it's not even them. It's just the reality situation, and there is something nice, I guess. Nostalgia obviously is like. <laughs> one of the sort of most lucrative businesses right now and getting these people back together and sort of there's something kind of nice about it and the feeling like and I'm in I'm like I saw Wayne's World 2 in theaters like I so it's not about them it's about me you know like I'm like shit like wow time is passing even though you don't see yourself necessarily getting older uh, and then you see them you're like oh that's a very clear marker because like you said Shane they live in your mind a certain way mm -hmm. and for me nostalgia is just being this being the same not being different so I liked it, everything to be captured in time. Like when I go back and play a video game I played when I was 15 or, or 10, it's the same. So when something's different, it's it doesn't have that same nostalgic feeling that I, I'm craving all the time. 
like, uh, I don't know, Domino's Pizza having that, there's a nostalgia associated with it. And it tastes the same as it always did when I was a kid. But now it just, it, it is a little, it's a different uncomfortable feeling for me. Well, there's there's also this point of no return that we're just all naturally like, like if you think about pop culture, the way that we consume it, and especially like for people of our generation, it's like, like think about like Ghostbusters came out in 1984, I think. And so it's like when we watch Ghostbusters, it just looks like Ghostbusters. But those guys, that's how they old they were in 1984. That being said, if they had made a sequel, even as early as like 2000 or something, the guys still would have looked somewhat in the same realm. But if you make a Ghostbusters now, Bill Murray's, and a ve- he's an old man. It just looks different. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is these guys that were younger than the Ghostbusters guys, like like Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler, you know? Like Adam Sandler's still in this pocket where he looks like Adam Sandler. And he's kind of always around, so he, we age with him. But at some point, Adam Sandler's just going to cross a point of no return. And we're going to go, oh, Adam, Adam mm-hmm. Sandler's like an old man now. And he's going to be in a movie doing his, you know, yabba doobie, but he's going to be 65 years old. And it's just weird to see guys like Wayne and Garth get there because they're so kind of eternally youthful for us. And to us, we're eternally youthful. Anyway, I don't yeah. think Uber Eats intended to like give me like the, an existential crisis, but their spot <laughs> fucking spun me out, man. It's on the board. <laughs> yeah, it's on their vision board. This is Mike Veerman. <laughs> Eat local. <laughs> give people an existential crisis about their yeah. age. Because when you're in crisis, you tend to eat more, Mike, I find. <laughs> I do. I Maybe that was app. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was a, generally a trend with a lot of these commercials that you see these celebrities that you haven't seen in a while and you go and you either go, oh, pretty good. Or you go, eh, like, you know, Stanley from The Office, you know, like he showed yeah. up in one of the commercials and, and like, I don't know if he's looking as good as he could. And it was just like, I feel like that happened over and over again, where it's just like. I wonder if, th- if that's going to be a conversation with these ad agencies because it's like obviously you get the rush of going, did you know that we're getting Mike Myers and you know Dana Carvey back together for this? This is like a huge win. And I guess like if the point is to get headlines and clicks, then they're doing their job. But it but it is sort of unsettling in some cases to, to see you know these. You got me yeah. thinking because that spot with a uh, dude from The Office also had John Travolta in it dancing yeah, with his daughter doing a TikTok. Yeah. What was but that even for? It's for like some lawn care or some shit? Yeah, yeah. Martha yeah. Stewart's in it. They had a bunch of celebs. But I think John Travolta looks awesome. And here's the thing. It's because he he doesn't look... He's not trying to look like Saturday Night Fever John Travolta. He's not trying to look like Grease John Travolta. He looks like old man John Travolta in a nice leather jacket with his beard, with his head shit. Like, he, like I almost think if you had done Wayne and Garth aged, not in the same clothes, but in like a boardroom, but still kind of the character traits, that's a more clever it execution. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Whereas, yeah. you know, I think Shane nailed it. It's almost weird to see them dressing up. You know what I mean? It actually puts a, a spotlight on the time that's passed. Whereas like John Travolta, when I was watching, I'm like, he looks great. Like, again, because he's not trying to look how mm-hmm. he used to look. If that what, do you, what do you think of um, the, like, the random celebs interacting like with Cardi B's at the end of the Wayne's World thing yeah. with, for Uber Eats? I find sometimes it works and then sometimes it just feels like really shoehorned in and, and awkward. I didn't love Cardi B in that spot. Um, and I, you know, well, I. Well, they were paying tribute to the old Wayne's World joke of the, like, I thought, I thought it worked. worked what, what, well. was the joke? Like for, what, what was the joke? What was the joke? The joke is they say, oh, we would never use celebrity endorsements. Isn't that right, Cardi B? And they're making oh, sure. light of what they did on, on the first Wayne's World. Yeah. Okay. And she has that vocal thing she does, which worked with whatever their tagline was. It, mm. it fit with her vocal yeah. tagline. But it, it is weird, though, that uh, it was all about local, like support local was the angle they took when Uber Eats gets criticized a lot for taking money from local yeah. businesses. So that, I thought, could have been potentially uh, dangerous waters to, to be in. Yeah. It yeah, could have backfired huge, but yeah. What are some um, other What are some other spots? Um, did you guys see the uh, Lenny Kravitz spot, which I thought was by <laughs> yes. far the funniest one? Stella Artois. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was unintentionally funny, though, right? Uh, of course, but yeah. it opens with uh, <laughs> "We're born with 2.5 billion heartbeats," and then the camera like switches. He's like, "We're all billionaires." Billionaires. <laughs> that, that means we're all billionaires. Oh. <laughs> In a when pandemic. everyone's going through so much right now, yeah. Oh and God. I was I was laughing so hard. And then, of course, one of the best parts is finding it online and reading the comments. But the comments yeah. are shut off. <laughs> I but. thought the uh, another really actually intentionally funny one was Amazon Sexy Alexa with Michael B. Jordan. Did you watch that? One? I, that I actually thought that made was me, great. 
That was, I think, the best one, I think, if I had to choose my favorite. Mm -hmm. And Um, risque. Risque and fucking hilarious, though. Oh, man, the line line about it getting wet Mm -hmm. in that spot, that was was when I was like, wow, they're going for it. I can't believe that line got in there. I recommend you check out that one. Um, The uh, one I think I hated the most was the Cheetos with Shaggy. I thought that was so badly conceived on every level. Um, so basically it's Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher who by the way are both like funny self-aware people like I've heard them both in interviews and they're both also like very like hands-on kinds of people like it's not like Ashton Kutcher is just a pretty face like he's been involved in like lots of different kinds of productions he's an entrepreneur Mila Kunis obviously has a background in comedy and just this, this premise of like Shaggy being there and singing his stupid song and Mila Kunis like having Cheetos all over her face like and they both looked a little older too, which kind of took me out of it because I guess I haven't seen them in a, in a minute. I, I just thought, I was just like, really? This is, this is what we're going with? Like there's not, it didn't, yeah, commercial doesn't need to make me like laugh out loud. It just should bring me some kind of like joy and like excitement about the product. This made me do none of those things. What, what did you think of those, of that commercial? I didn't think it was that bad. I thought really? it was kind of funny. Yeah. Huh. I, Shaggy brings a smile to my face. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised that Ashton went for kind of the accent when he when he went for singing the song because he was in trouble oh. a few years ago for doing a Pop Chips commercial oh, where yeah. he went full Indian accent, and then it oh, felt yeah. like he was dipping into that world again with the accent. But I thought the end of the commercial where. Uh, Ashton Kutcher is actually fooled by the it wasn't me excuse. Shaggy goes, that's the first time I've ever seen that work. I thought I thought that was not a bad button. Really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. My thing with that spot, and I kind of watched it more from a professional sort of standpoint where I was like, okay, so the premise is the premise. The setup is the setup. Like whoever wrote it is like, okay, we're going to use this song. We're going to blah, blah, blah. I just think it was professionally handled. Like I'm like, I'd be like, like it's just, it looks good. It's competent. The performances yeah. are, are fine for the premise, but yeah, so I I don't think it's great, but I think that it's like very professional spot. How much did you think about Mike the fingers and how they're how they're owning that it really fucks up your fingers in an annoying way? Yeah, mm. it actually made me uncomfortable to see the Cheetos on the walls and shit like mm-hmm. that. Like I was like, if Too I was much. a brand consultant, I'd be like, but they kind of have to commit to that, I guess, to show that you know the the, the evidence that she's been eating the Cheetos. But I was like, I did not like seeing the Cheetos on the wall. It was, it's not yeah. a, like a or positive the for the fingers. Product. I know they have to do it. It just felt that it was caked on too much, and that really disgusts me. Yeah. Um, um, did you guys uh, see the Sam Adams one? <laughs> the Boston one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's down there. Basically, the- you can explain it, Mike. Well, the premise of the spot is, I guess, you know how like Budweiser uses those like beautiful like Clydesdale's horses and stuff. So the spot kind of opens, I think, where you're kind of thinking it might be one of those Bud spots. And it's actually a play on another commercial they had, I think. But anyway, someone lifts a latch up where these like horses are like attached to a buggy. And then these horses go buck and they go crazy and they knocking people through glass windows and all this shit. And then you realize it's like three Boston bros and the guy's holding the pin. He's like, ah, I didn't expect that to happen. And they got the Boston accents and he's like, don't tell my mom. And it's like, you know, it's it's like your cousin from Boston did anyway, basically anytime there's any Boston related humor, it it is automatically like a seven out of 10 immediately. And it starts there. So I I like that commercial. I just love Boston stuff. Um, Um, Speaking of celeb spots, what did you guys think of the doppelganger spot for Michelob Ultra with Don Cheadle? Did you guys see that one? I saw that one. That one tricked me. Oh, you actually thought it was the celebs? I had to watch it. Well, I didn't key in until the Stallone spoke. And I went, is that... I go, that's not Stallone. Uh, but I did think he was with Lucy Liu. I was so confused. I thought it was Megan Fox. Like, until it gets to the oh, end. it really and looked kicked, like Megan Fox, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like, so it, very, it really confused me. And then I go through it, like, again. Like, I kind of get it by the end. And then I go through it again. I go, oh, that's actually, it's kind of interesting because it fucks with you in a way that makes you take notice. Like, mm. it's, it's, it's unsettling almost because your brain just assumes that it's all these famous people and then it's not. I kind of liked that, that angle. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm yeah. I, it was it right. one of those things where if the correlation to the product was better, it would have been more clever. But it, right. so it was, it was cool. It just didn't seem that tie in that there's other fake, uh, well, cell or whatever it was trying to no, say. No, I agree. Yeah. It's like almost like yeah. they had this great premise and then they just attached any product yeah, to it. Yeah, it's like in our meetings when Randall's like, <laughs> eh, not for this, but save it and we'll use it for something bigger. It felt totally. like that. 
Well, the, the other Michelob commercial, which start, which is black and white, and it starts with Serena Williams, and it has, I think it's like Take a Walk on the Wild Side, so it kind of has like cool, moody music, and it's like all this like black and white, it's very emotional, and then it was basically like the idea is just like the, the important moments are, is like being joyful, I guess, but I just didn't think that really related that much to Michelob Ultra. Do you know what I mean? It felt a little shoehorned in there. Um, well, that ends with the question. The question. The question is like, uh, do we win because it makes us happy or are we happy because we win? Whatever that final line was, yeah. was like this kind of interesting like thesis. And I'm oh, like, oh, so hmm. bullshit. Yeah, I was like, okay. Did you, you know what's one I liked like as far as silly? Like we've talked about this a lot, Shane and I, like the um, the old spicification of, of ads that has been mm. happening now for the last decade where it's like absurd for the sake of absurd. And you see it all the time. There was like a, there was a spot here. I, I didn't have it written down, but it was for some sort of body wash. And it's just like, weird 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 it's like just that's just this kind of brand of advertising now um sometimes it can work but usually when you're watching you're like oh just like you know it's almost like you write by numbers with those ads but as far as like a weird execution visually that i actually thought worked was the mcconaughey 3d doritos chip oh yeah yeah i like that ad like that's one of those like high concept ads where someone goes in like okay so he's going to be flat like in a 3d world and blah 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 blah. you kind of watch him go through this very somber journey until he finds the 3d chip and i the punchline got me when he like it it, it inflates him inside of the chip machine like the vending machine i was just like that's that's a great spot mcconaughey delivered it and it's kind of a weird high concept spot that i thought they did well Mm -hmm. you laughed out loud at that mike i i a chortle huh one of those okay yeah you yeah I, I, i didn't think it was bad yeah did did any bad ones? See, Max told us the bad one that stood out. Shane, do you have any bad ones you didn't like? Well, the Lenny Kravitz one is the the funniest bad one. Uh, <laughs> one that stood out in a good way to me was the "Let's grab a beer" and Heiser Bush one. That was my favorite one. I like that one. That and so that one caught me off guard because I watched like seven ones I di- absolutely thought were not funny or did not like, and then I saw that one. It really grabbed me. And then I looked it up. David Fincher directed it. Wow. Ah, I don't know if I saw the Bush one. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it's, it It's that. awesome. It's done so well. I, th- I found it so affecting. Like, it made me emotional. Yeah, that's the one where it's like, grabbing a beer is not just about grabbing a beer. Like, it's about spending mm. time with people. Uh, which and is- it, again, the, the idea is so like nothing. But the way they did it and executed was very high level. Oh, Totally. And as a man who loves grabbing a beer with friends, it really hit me in the old eyes. Yeah, I thought you would like it the most, Mike. I, I had a couple others that, that, that superseded that one, but I did like that one. What did you like, Mike? Uh, well, there's a spot, the Toyota spot with um, Jessica Lang, the swimmer that doesn't have, uh, she's missing her legs. She had to be amputated as, as a small age. So it's like this visually very sort of like intense spot where it's like she's swimming through her life story where she's like a five-year-old being adopted from like overseas, I think. And they tell the mother that, you know, she's going to have to, her legs are going to have to be amputated. Like, do you still want to adopt the baby? And she's like, yes, I do. And then you see she's like this, you know, Olympic swimmer now. It just like, you know. I don't know if it's because I had a couple of beers last night and I was feeling it this morning, but when I was watching it this morning, I got very emotional watching that spot. I don't know if it's because I have a kid, but that one I thought was excellent uh, visually and like sentiment. Um, also, and I, this one caught me out of nowhere. Do you guys know that Indeed, what Indeed is? So it's like this job finding service. We have like monster.ca here in Canada. So, so in this spot, um, they basically have a bunch of people that are either like out of work, they're starting out, whatever. And it's just like, I thought that the copy... Do you remember this spot, Shane, the one I'm talking about? This uh, this one about finding no. jobs, how we help find jobs. They did this really cool thing, which I've, I've enjoyed a lot. They actually did this in a recent uh, Apple Plus ad where they kind of like do the text across the screen and then they change the text. So like the spot opens and it just says, we help get jobs. And it's like a little girl gets into bed with her mom and kind of gives her a kiss. You can tell the mom's out of work and she's looking for work. Uh, and then the space between the we help get jobs, it says we help the ones starting out get jobs right and you see somebody who's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they want their spot and then the starting out changes and it says we help the ones starting over get jobs you can tell somebody who's been like let go and had this sort of devastating moment and i just think this point in time the way that everybody's sort of the uncertainty uh, of employment and the pandemic i just thought the spot like really hit and was like handled amazing like uh, i thought it was a very emotional spot the t-mobile ads which we talked about in the pod group oh yeah those were so good um 
the the Tom Brady talking to Gronk and then having bad reception and that changing your life outcome. What was the other one uh, based on? It was Gwen Stefani asking oh, yeah. Admiral Veen who she should date three years ago, and then that was so good. And then Blake Shelton walks in. You were going to say something, Shane? No, I I I wanted to hear the commercial because I hadn't seen that one. Oh, you oh. Did you, you see the Brady Gronk one? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's such an amazing premise. They took the premise and they they did the exact same thing where Gwen Stefani gets on the phone with Adam Levine. She's like, Adam, I'm so like, you know, I had a terrible dating experience. I, I want to date somebody who's cultured, who's blah, blah, blah. And she kind of says all these things. The phone breaks up. So the message comes through to Adam that it's a guy that's like not cultured, that's intimidated by women, strong women, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then like Blake Shelton comes walking by with like a whole thing of like chicken wings. He's like, chicken wings. And then Adam <laughs> Levine's like, I got the guy for you. And then, you know, he, she's waiting there for the blind date. And then Blake walks in and she's, he's wearing stirrups, like spurs, like cowboy boots. And this was the funniest line in the spot where she's like, you're wearing like cowboy boots. He's like, yeah. She's like, would you ride a horse here? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but the reason why it's great is that obviously they got married. So, so like using real life, uh, going in hard on that, obviously the, the Brady Gronk is like going in hard on like, let's go to Florida, get out of retirement and, and play together. And then like, yeah, because the most unlikely romance, obviously, is between Gwen Stefani and Blake Sheldon. And and so it's like use, using real life as a mm-hmm. premise for spotty cell phone service is great. And, and these spots, they have those buttons, like those those jokes. Like, And the, I thought the joke in the, the Gronk uh, Brady one was great. Like they hit the button. You know the one I'm talking about, Shane? You just shake, shake your head. Oh, the uh, where he, he asked his the dad where his football pants were the mom was like, mom, mom, mom where are my football pants i was like that's that makes the spot like you send him out on a yeah. high note that was great yeah. gronk's like so, gronk's legit funny i would put him in any yeah, spot 100%. i could yeah that one felt the most like an snl level skit or something like that yeah brady's you know I mean? good in that too yeah yeah brady's really good too uh would you guys think of the squarespace five to nine directed by damien chazelle Oh, um, so so they I get didn't... Dolly Parton to record a different version of nine to five, which is five to nine about like your your grind, your after work grind. And it's like kind of like a dance spot. Damien, of course, directed La La Land. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he's and I'd actually heard about this spot before I saw it today because there was kind of like a there seems to be like some pushback at the idea of glorifying um, your second career these days. Cause they're like the reason that people are sort of like, you can either frame it as it's a passion that you do on the side, or you frame it as like the hustle, a way to like make money on the side. And there's this kind of huge mm-hmm. divide right now where it's like the reason everybody has these side hustles is because they're not making enough in their day jobs, like in their regular jobs, because we don't pay people enough, you know, minimum wage, all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like this, this big thing where you glorify the side hustle, but people shouldn't have to do a side hustle to make ends meet. The other side of that argument is well, actually, you know, people, you know, that start their own businesses, it is like a passion that they're trying to make work on the side. But so people were like, now, now Dolly Parton's re-recording the song to glorify the, the side hustle, blah, 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 blah. So that's all I kept thinking when I was watching the spot, which was otherwise kind of unremarkable. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't really think too much about it. Yeah, the, the best part of it was just the idea itself, which is switching around nine to five from five to nine, the, the famous And getting song. Dolly involved as well obviously. yeah after that it's not it wasn't super uh, remarkable um robin hood we talked about them because a game spot stop mm, they had yeah. a spot uh called everybody uh, saying anyone can become an investor but they booked it in december uh so they obviously helped they kept the spot but the, everybody sees the spot and like actually not everyone can become an investor if you invest in gamestop you're gonna get your your account frozen so mm. that was bad timing for them uh do you guys have any more no no i'm good i'm good yeah Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, 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 Mike. I had one more. Uh, I just wanted, did you see the P.T. Anderson spot, the the life gives you, hands you lemon spot for Celsius? Yes. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that was a P.T. spot. No, he didn't direct it, but they, they were ripping off Magnolia. The frogs. Like the frogs rain, raining yes. down. Like oh, the sound design and everything. That felt yeah. like a really expensive commercial. You know, sometimes you go like, it's like, oh God, it's like all those different scenes and it looked like real lemons were coming, dropping out of the sky. The sound design the is what really did it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I thought that was impressive. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But I, ch- I checked the comments section. I was I was wondering, oh, is this just, just going to be people saying, oh, n- nice idea, but PT did it first. And everyone else was crediting Cloudy with the chance of meatballs, which I found interesting. <laughs> that's just the way society <laughs> yeah. goes, brother. Mm-hmm. More people probably saw Cloudy than Magnolia, especially people on yeah, YouTube these true. days. So to wrap this up, I want to give a, a recommendation. Um, one of the things that's bringing me a lot of joy and happiness this, these days is this uh, show called uh, The Detroiters on Crave. Uh, have we talked about Detroiters last week? Did we the talk last about episode? Last? Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> we said that how you we said how you you compared the guys to me and Shane, which we thought was a compliment. Oh, that's right, of course. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I've been telling everybody about the show, but they're two ad men, and all they do is like sit around pitching ads. Have you watched any of these? And they're Shane? terrible at their job. Yeah, it reminds you of Mike and I. Yes, yeah, we yeah. know it. Yes, we got to see it. <laughs> sorry, guys. I remember now. Uh, okay, Shane Surprise. Let's do it. Okay, so this one might actually be dated now. And I know uh, it's We it's cut you quick... off last week and you're like, well, you're going to do this next week, right? And you had that look in your eye. We're like, yeah. Two yeah. weeks in a row you did this to me. So. Okay, <laughs> two weeks Because the, the first week I was ready to do this, um, you hadn't seen the Bee Gees doc. Mm. So then we passed the Shane Surprise on to the next week when you had, but we ran out of time or whatever. So now this is related to the Bee Gees doc. Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, uh, again, this might not fly at all, but it's, it's uh, the idea of Barry Gibb being the coolest sibling mm. and, and arguably the most attractive sibling. Yeah. So I wanted, yeah. okay, well, I wanted to get your opinion or tips on the responsibility of being the cooler or arguably more attractive sibling mm. on advice to, to those people. I'll start with you, Mike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Greg Veerman, uh, my brother, here to uh, talk apparently about being the cooler sibling. Uh, man, I was just going to say the uh, the only advice I have, you know, it's it's tough being the, the cooler older sibling, you know. <laughs> Guys, I'm out of here. I gotta go. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, we tried. We tried something, and you know what, Greg? Were you waiting? That's last why you shouldn't week, try things. Uh, on the call and then for hours, hours. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was hours, on the hours. line the for shit. an hour and a half. All I want to do is talk right. about how cool and handsome I am, and you keep fucking this up for me. <laughs> Over Max, you oh keep going on a rant. Apparently, I don't know. Shane can't. You can't. You don't let Shane speak anymore. Oh God! Justice for Shane. Free well, Shane. True, Justice man. for Shane. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of freeing, I was just going to ask if you guys have watched that free Britney doc yet. No. Uh, uh, Alex started watching it yesterday, but I have to see it. Is it any good? Yeah, it's great. It's great. But I just I feel like Mike and Max have a conservatorship over Shane right now. And I'm saying free Shane. <laughs> oh. Let me speak. Oh. I want those uh, desserts back because they're getting... You guys are dictating what happens. And- Actually, you know, I'll th- throw this out into the world because I, I could research this on the side. But uh, Ash was watching the free doc, the free Britney doc last night. And there's an Arkells fan in British Columbia named Achilles. And he's sort of part of like the Arkells like Stan world. He's like super into our band. We've had him on stage. He wears the jacket. He dances around. He's like, he makes him like home videos of Arkells, like from shows and stuff. I think he opens the documentary. I could be wrong. Uh, and I've only met him in real life oh, wow. a couple of times. But the first person you see interviewed as like a, as a fan and a, a concerned fan of Britney, I think is Achilles. I could be wrong. So if Achilles, if it's not you, then I'm sorry. Is Achilles a guy that wears the tassel jacket in the interview? Yeah. He just like yeah. this whole time? Yeah. yeah. And it I says, free Britney. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I heard you like the uh, weekend performance. We were you came up earlier in the pod. I did like it. I thought I thought it was great. Thought it was what does cool. it mean? What does what mean? <laughs> what does it mean? The the message he was trying to send across. Oh, I, I didn't take any kind of message from it. I just thought it was done really cool. It was like a. I thought it was. I don't know if Max told you what I said, but I just thought it was more cool than it was like, you know, spectacular for like a Super Bowl performance. They're always so big and over the top and kind of in, like insane but that was just like a way more like it was really cool it was shot really well everything was done in a cool way and i was saying that the weekend is just kind of an odd character because no one really knows the weekend so it just felt like the most kind of like personal like he was just like staring into the camera a bunch i was like i never really like looked at the weekend this long i don't know much about him his personality came through like more of him just wanting to be an entertainer and entertain millions of people came through than i think his persona and who he's portrays is like a lot more you know he's kind of a private guy you don't really know much about him so that was the most i kind of like got from him by watching performances you know this guy loves to do this and he was he was great at it it was really cool I was, I was have there. you guys seen uh have you guys seen that uh twitter account uh ladies and gentlemen it's the weekend it's, oh, yeah. it's it's got over a hundred thousand followers and it's literally just daniel craig from his snl episode introducing the weekend but he does it in such like a happy relief that every friday someone just tweets out the clip where he goes ladies and gentlemen the weekend and so <laughs> you're supposed to get excited for the weekend every friday this account tweets out this That's fucking fun. clip and it's got a lot of followers uh one last question Greg, before we let you go 
over these last couple of weeks, whenever you've been waiting to get into this chat to spring this hilarious surprise that you're the uh, older, better looking brother, uh, what do you do to kill your time? Are you just reading a book? Can you hear what we're saying at least? Or are you just sitting there staring at a wall? No, Shane, Shane is like, don't worry, I control the, the Zoom, who gets in, who gets out. He's like, I'll let you know. I'll give you a call two minutes before it comes in. You can hear me on the phone before I intro you so that you to cue you up. And then, yeah, last week, the, the phone call never came. And it was, I was like, I got meetings. I got things to do today. And then he's like, shit, he's like, Max is literally talking forever right now. He's like, he's like, we're supposed to be for two or something. And he's like, I don't know. Are you good with this time? This time? And it get, kept getting pushed back 20 minutes as Max kept going. And then I was like, I can't, I, like, I can't do it. Um, so then this week he's like, are you ready? So then now I've been sitting here for the last 15 minutes. I'm just waiting to get brought in. And in that time I was reading Twitter, you know, I kept making sure my hair was okay so that, you know, hair looks really good. And, you know, I was looking as hunky really as possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, just, just overthinking of it. It gave me too much time to overthink it. So that when I yeah. came in, my bit was uh, a little fumbled and not didn't work. Well, the zoom so. delay is comedy poison. So yeah, yeah, very true. All right, All right. guys. All right, guys. Get back to it. See all you right. later. Right. You're leaving too, Max. Yeah, I think we should all leave. Are we, we all leaving? There was probably a laugh there before. That we okay, probably. All right. Okay. Bye, guys. Cue the music. Mm-hmm.